0: Hello, and welcome to the pre med years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician.
1: So, we do have some medical students with us for a medical school panel.
0: Isn't that exciting?
1: Well, let me introduce these fine uh, young people here. And uh, and then we'll get we'll get going on our panel. So we have four medical students, one from each year. Uh, our first one, our MS one, is uh, Stephen Oda is Odafe? Is that right? Is that is that the right pronunciation? Yeah, that's, that's enough. Close enough. Okay. Uh, Stephen, you are a a, a first year at the uh, uh, Uniformed Services uh, Medical School in uh, Maryland. And so welcome to you uh, here. We also have Sarah Bradley, who is a, a second year medical student at the Medical University of South Carolina. Hello, 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 Sarah. Then we have Luke Hendricks, who is here in the great Lone Star State of Texas? Who is a third-year medical student at Long School of Medicine in San Antonio? And then, uh, rounding out our our uh, fourth-year medical student is Eunice uh, and uh, Taken. Is that correct, Eunice Taken? Good, good, got it right. Fourth-year medical student at Burrell College of Osteopathic Medicine in Las Cruces, New Mexico. So welcome to all of you, and I will turn it over to you now, Ryan.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Scott. So I'm excited. Uh, I love the med student panels because I once was one of you at one point a long, long time ago. I, I wanna start uh with Steven, our first year student here. Um number one, because I want to check your audio. Might there there may be something a little off there, but hopefully we'll we'll get through the session. Um You're at the Uniformed Services University of Health Sciences, also known as USIS or USHUS, depending on uh, how you want to pronounce it. Um, You're you're the baby of the group. What what has this transition from undergrad or pre-med school life to med school been like for you? I
2: think... it's been super
0: hard. <laughs> uh, Yeah, your your audio is not good, Stephen. Um, I, I had a feeling it's super super choppy, so I don't know if you can restart the computer or um, jump on another device real quick. Phones phones work with this platform. I'm pretty sure and we'll we'll get you back on. We 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 won't end without you. Leave no man behind, as they say. Uh, <laughs> I think I think that's the thing. Um <laughs> Sarah, let's let's go to you. Uh MS2 of the group. You're at Musk. Um you you made it through first year. You've transitioned into second year now. What are the differences for you? Is it just more of the same?
3: Yeah, I would say the biggest difference is it never gets easier. A lot of people warn me about that. Uh, you just kind of get used to it. Uh, and I think I'm finally maybe getting used to it. Uh, the biggest differences I would say uh, in second year is a stronger focus on things outside of just coursework. A lot of us have started doing research, getting involved in more leadership positions. I think those two would be the biggest so far, but I'm I'm happy to be out of first year. I won't lie. <laughs> the final push through preclinical, uh, is looking, looking good, hopefully getting to the other side soon.
0: Yeah. What, what is the biggest, uh, uh, survival, uh, tip that you could give students going, going through first year?
3: Have a strong support system within your class Get close with your class as much as possible. You are, we always joke, it's it trauma bonding. It's really not that bad, but get close with your class. I personally live alone because that's how I work best, but I go out of my way to go and study on campus so I could be around people as much as possible, which really helps me. And a steady workout routine will save you. Yeah. Exercise, exercise. Is incredible. Uh, We live in a great city in Charleston where uh, we have great weather kind of year round. So a lot of us go on walks like daily, sometimes multiple times a day. You know, people joke about hot girl like mental health walks. It's a real thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Mental health walks. Did, did you hear that, Luke? Hot girl mental health walks. I hope you are doing them. Uh, Luke Hendricks, you are a third year medical student um, at Long School of Medicine. The The transition for you going from preclinical years to now into your clinical years, how has that transition been for you? Uh,
4: it's been good. So I've done two rotations now. I've done
0: family medicine and psychiatry.
4: Um, I did family a little early and so I've actually been on a six week, uh, break between rotations. And so, um, I've been going into the, uh, orthopedic call room and helping out with some, uh, with some trauma cases and stuff like that. So it's been really good, like getting, getting out of the books, uh, and just like kind of, uh, getting my, getting my hands dirty, you know, uh, so to speak. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so You know, you still have to learn, of course, um, and still, you know, do a bunch of like UWorld and AMBOSS questions and stuff like that. But it's it's uh, I like it a lot more because, you know, you have these clinical experiences that you can kind of refer back to when you're when you're going through questions and like, oh, I've seen that before. So it's Mm -hmm. like makes it a little bit easier to remember. Um, uh, But, yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely interesting and you definitely don't necessarily feel prepared for it. Um, you know, when you're, when you're first starting your clinical rotations, you, you don't necessarily feel like, you know, what you're doing, but, um, you know, over time, as you, as you get more experience, you, you feel a little bit more comfortable and you kind of just have to, um, you know, put yourself out there and, and, and give it your best shot. And, and eventually things kind of start happening. Yeah. Uh, what, what does your schedule look like? So right now, um, I'm just, I've been going in at night. So I've been going in around Seven anywhere between seven and nine, and staying anywhere between 12 and six uh, in the morning. And so I just go in overnights, and then during the day, uh, after I wake up, I, I work on research and keep up with uh, Anki cards and stuff like that. So I'm um, still, still very busy. I, I say that I have a six week break, but really it's uh, as busy, if not more busy, than when I'm in a rotation because at least. In the rotation, you have a set time where you're going to clinic, and then the rest of the time you study, and then you have weekends off. Yeah, weekends are like the most busy days for for orthopedics, and so um, that's when I've been going in. So it's been been pretty busy, but but I I've been been enjoying myself quite a bit. So
0: yeah, interesting. All right, Stephen, we got you back. How's the audio? We good? Hey, do I sound better now? Yeah, you sound good now. <laughs> we're we're yeah. there. So this transition for you from from non-medical student to now first year medical student what has that been like many many call it a uh, a fire hose of knowledge coming at you can do you agree do you disagree what's going on there
2: um yeah i definitely i definitely agree i think i think it's been hard firstly because regardless of what happens in your personal life from moving from one city to another, you still have to wake up and do your five lectures and relearn the amino acids that you tried so hard to forget after the MCAT. Um, Surprise, they're back. (laughs) It's not not the most difficult content, but it's a lot. And that's a lot to balance. And that's been what I've been doing for the most part or trying to do.
0: Yeah, and so you you're a little bit unique, being at the the military medical school as it's kind of uh, known in layman's terms. Um, what what difference do you think you have compared to other first year students out there? Um,
2: there's definitely the big the big part where you know I put on a uniform um, and I'm an officer in the military in the army specifically. I think I think the main difference for me is the the big emphasis on what we call TC3 or military and emergency medicine. So it's an addition to everything Mm. and pretty much it's like what we're, what we're trained for is not just to be a physician, but to be a physician for, for the soldiers that we treat. And that's, that looks very different from the civilian population. Um, Austere environments is a big thing that comes up a lot when you're interviewing for the school or you're in the school. Um, but yeah, I think that's a big difference. Everything else seems pretty much the same. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah.
0: It's it's fun, but it's a lot. As you mentioned, right? It's it's not as deep as your undergraduate classes, but it's just right. a lot. A lot. Right. Uh well, thanks. Thanks for uh, working out the tech issues. We'll we'll have a lot more questions for you. Jonas, as uh, we come to you. Uh you're the fourth year of the group. Applications to residency are open now. Um, what is fourth year like for you? Are you just chilling? Wait, just working on essays? What What does that look like?
5: Hi, um, pleasure to be here. I was wondering if you guys can hear me. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, my fourth year is actually a bit difficult. So luckily I got all my essays done and finished uh, about a month and a half ago. Um, but I'm doing audition rotations. So I'll be, I'm going from a uh, rotation site, like different hospitals, different programs. Each month, and I'm doing five back. back. So, it is hectic. Uh, I'm living out of my car, pretty much, but I'm staying at Airbnbs, and uh, I don't have Wi-Fi, so I'm at a cafe. <laughs> Here we are.
0: Here we are. What? So, so um, uh, Luke talked a little bit about his life as a third-year student. Um, you as a fourth year I think a lot of people uh, think about fourth year I mean I I, I think about fourth year is it's a lot of extra sitting around a lot of extra I mean you're doing rotations and stuff but you're really focused on trying to match into your residency of your dreams um as you are looking at your audition rotations and everything going on do you think it's really just more of third year that kind of, schedule-wise and, and what you're working on, obviously, on, on top of the, the ARIS application?
5: So I think it's a little different. Uh, third year seems to be a bit more uh, scheduled. Uh, like you'll go from rotation to rotation um, and you have like a set schedule. But for me, uh, so I'm applying general surgery. Um, whenever my preceptor's on call, I'm on call. When they're not on call, I'm still on call because the residents are on call. So it's the schedule is just really hectic and but the, the upside of that is I don't have to be doing U world and Anki and Amboss, uh like I did third year. Yep. Uh, and I'm happy I finished my applications a bit earlier so I'm kind of when I'm not at work uh, I'm kind of just hanging out.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah
5: the sitting around thing it's either you're going hundred uh, percent or zero percent.
0: Yeah so are, are you' you're done with step two at this point yeah. uh, or level two? Yeah, so
5: I took both uh, okay. step two and level two. Okay, um, just uh, it helps to be a bit more competitive applicant. In some yeah, programs. Yeah, look at uh, level two. Uh, well, they'll look at them, but they'd rather have a step four.
0: Yeah, uh, Sarah, coming back to you as the second year student, um, step two or step one rather is now pass fail. Some medical schools are doing weird things with with the step exams, like combining step one and step two together, saying, hey, just take them at the same time. Or getting rid of dedicated time for step one and potentially facing ramifications of students failing step one because they they didn't keep uh, uh, the respect for it up enough. What What is your school doing in terms of of dedicated time for step one setting. What are you hearing from other students around the country that are uh, second year students?
3: Yeah, I have actually heard a lot of what you're saying about them almost completely getting rid of dedicated. I've heard things such as 15 days of dedicated time, <sighs> which I <laughs> just think is insane. Uh, personally though at my school, I think they saw last year, uh, When it first went pass-fail, there were some students that maybe kind of took that as like, oh, pass-fail, not that big of a deal. And (laughs) we did have a few more students fail than we normally do. So I think they are kind of coming in hot with us this year and making sure that we know it is still a serious exam. And uh, we've had a lot of information sessions over the summer Uh, We go through the summer, our curriculum, so we had a lot of information sessions over the summer as well as beginning in the fall uh, about building a schedule and things. As far as dedicated time, they did shorten it a little bit for us. It's around six weeks right now. Uh, It used to be a little bit longer, but they've kind of pushed back our whole curriculum to then give us more time for step two on the back half because the whole idea with step one going past fail is that now step two is going to be that new numeric number that they're going to judge everything by. So our school wanted to give us kind of more room to study for that.
0: Yeah. It was the, in my, in my opinion was the dumbest thing they could have done. Like let's make step one pass fail, but keep step two scored it doesn't change anything. It just puts all the weight on step two instead of step one. And it doesn't allow now students who maybe struggled with step one to do well on step two to potentially make up for that, which is what I did. I I scored, I don't know, like just over 50th percentile for step one. And I scored 99th percentile on step two saying, hey, look, I, I can do this. I just didn't do well on step one because I, I didn't understand how to do well on step one. And, and I, I don't know. I it's, it's like, make them all pass fail. Just, just go all pass fail and <laughs> let the yeah. residency directors figure out something else to do to, uh, to pick students. Um, uh, Jonas is, as, as you're looking at fourth year now, um, and and looking back over your, your three plus years as a medical student, what is the biggest tip that you could give anyone going through this process to, to survive?
5: Uh, I think my biggest tip would be to find a good group of friends and look out for one another and help each other out uh, at all times. Uh, I'm lucky to have this group of friends. There's like six of us and we're always sharing resources. We're always sending each other reminders like uh, the ERAS supplementals do today and every day in my group chat with my friends, it's like ERAS do Friday. And it's like Monday, ERAS do Friday, Tuesday. And it's, it's just small stuff like that that uh, I think will get you through the difficult times. Uh, I think uh, someone mentioned trauma bonding, (laughs) (laughs) hate to use that, but it's uh it's definitely when you, when you go through difficult times together, it makes you stronger. And uh, having that good group of friends, that good group support, I think it's, uh, it's something that is
2: just
5: uh, definitely underrated. So when you get to medical school, make some friends. And if those friends are you know, solid,
0: keep them. <laughs> keep them. I, I'm wearing my collaboration, not competition shirt uh, on purpose. Uh, I'm a huge believer in it. Uh, and so it's it's definitely a, a, a big thing. Luke, what, what do you think your biggest tip would be to survive medical school? I'm not even talking about thriving. I'm just talking about surviving.
4: Yeah, um, I think uh, it was already mentioned, uh, keeping like a good fitness routine has been really helpful for me. Um, And then just taking everything like one day at a time, you know, you can't look too far ahead into the future. And I've said this, you know, since college, Um, if you think about like, oh, I've got to do this this four years of college and then four years of med school and then five years of residency and then two years of fellowship. It's like thinking about that all at once is just so overwhelming. You have to take it one step at a time. Um, another thing I would say is like get involved early. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to do a little bit at a time earlier than it is to like put it off. And then, you know, you get to the later, later part of school and you're like, okay, now I have to like do all this like crazy stuff to like, to get the things that I, that I want to get done, done. So, um, you know, start, start kind of working on research and volunteering and, um, you know, just shadowing and stuff like that early, uh, early on in school, obviously like don't overextend yourself cause grades are important as well. But, um, but getting involved early is a, uh, a big thing.
0: Yeah. Stephen, for you, how, how did you make the transition to, to first year and what, what tips would you give to someone with that transition?
2: Um, I think, so firstly, I, I want to say that I, I forgot to give the disclaimer of my school um, you know, made me do this. I'm not speaking for the United States Army, nor am I speaking for USIS. But I do wanna give a big shout out to Blueprint. So my school is asynchronous and I studied with Blueprint. So the videos, the the same way my school presents the the information that we have to know for our exams is the exact same way it was on Blueprint with the videos. So that's probably my biggest piece of advice for transitioning, just use Blueprint. Um, and then secondly, just be financially ready. Aside from that, I think I still have a lot to learn, um, but those are my advice just from my one
0: month. What do you mean by financially ready? Um, so
2: there's a lot of things that people don't tell you when you're applying to medical school. Firstly, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it hits at first when the MCAT comes around and you realize how much the prep material is um, for the people that do use like blueprint for perhaps. Um, And then when the application comes around, there's the price of that. And then when you actually get into medical school, there's moving to a different city, if you have to getting an apartment for people like me, I've pretty much never lived alone in this country. So that was a lie. I didn't realize how much rent was or how much groceries were, or, you know, just buying professional clothes, in my case, buying the uniforms Um, and those things add up.
0: Yeah. But you get paid. You get paid to go to medical school. That's yeah, very you get different. paid
2: eventually. <laughs> you get paid
0: eventually. Yeah. Um. Awesome. And Sarah, for you, what is what is your biggest survival tip?
3: Sorry, I was coming off mute. It took a minute there. It's okay. Um, my biggest survival tip. Uh, again, like people have said, exercise routine. Find uh, a good group, like I said earlier, Mm -hmm. in your class that you can relate to and kind of bond with over this experience. And I would say, do not compare yourself to others. I know you say this all the time about the pre-med process, but that continues even in med school. You think that you get in and you're just going to be, you know, oh, I'm in med school. I, I don't have to compare myself to these people anymore but it only gets worse. (laughs) You're constantly thinking about who is doing more research or who is involved in more things. Don't do that. Everyone will get where they're meant to be uh, if you just kind of keep your head down in that sense and do what you're passionate about and uh, what you think is going to get you to where you want to be in the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Luke, what is what is something that uh, has surprised you about your your journey through medical school?
4: Um, I would say probably just uh, like I sorry, there's some construction going on behind me, so if you can hear that, uh, apologies. yeah, you're good. But yeah, so so um, yeah, just I I think I expected it to be kind of just miserable all the time, you know, like we're just like buried in work all the time. And it really hasn't been like that. You know, I've had plenty of time to do the things that I want to do. And in fact, you know, even when it's like crazy busy and like, you know, you don't feel like you have any time. I, I think it's really important to take the time for yourself uh, because, you know, if you're if you're not taking any time for yourself, you're probably not operating at like full, full capacity. And so and so you really are detracting from the amount of stuff that you can do. Whereas if you just, you know, take a little bit of time, take a day off or something, you know, you may may be able to function a little bit better going forward. So I, I would say, yeah, just like I I thought it would be a lot more like every day. And, you know, it's definitely is a lot, but you get used to it and you kind of find ways to optimize uh, the way that you, you approach things. So,
0: yeah. Eunice, what's something you wish someone told you about, uh, about medical school, about this process?
5: That it's not going to be as bad as you think. Um, So I didn't have the best MCAT score. And uh, I was really worried going into medical school. I thought, you know, like I was just going to get lost in the weeds. And like, there was a lot of self-doubt. But um, I think once you get into the groove of things and realize that you're there for a reason and admissions committee looked at your application, interviewed you and selected you, that's enough reason for you to be there and for you to succeed. Um, So it's it's definitely challenging. It's not easy whatsoever. You're going to be push to your limit all the time almost like every day but know that you're there for a reason and you deserve to be there and to keep working hard Um, I think it took it took me some time to get over that uh that self-doubt that I had going into medical school and the anxiety of medical school and now it's just like any other day it's like you wake up and Let's
0: go. Yeah. Wait until next year when you're an intern. The self-doubt comes back really fast. <laughs> um and Luke, I'm sure you can potentially attest uh the, the self-doubt that, that you may have had and that that I'm assuming a lot of us have uh, walking onto campus for first year, going through those classes, like, did, did I really get in here? Are they gonna, are they gonna come find me in the classroom and go, haha? just kidding. We, uh, mistakenly accepted you. It comes yes. right back clinical years where you're like in the hospital going, I, I don't think I'm sh- I should be here. I'm not ready for this.
4: Yeah. So funny story. Um, when, when we would get our grades, uh, for things, we had these like exam numbers, these specific numbers that you know they would show have that number, and then they would have your grade or whatever next to it. And uh, mine was four hundred four, and I was like, "See, I knew it. I wasn't supposed to be here." You know, like the the not found error, not found code <laughs> or whatever that you see. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely still struggle with that to this day. Um, you know, just like a little bit of like imposter syndrome. Like, am I, I'm not like smart like those people because you know. Um, like, like it was, it was already said, you know, like when you get here, you don't stop, like the comparisons don't go away. And if anything, they get worse because you're here with like the best of the best, you know, the, the people whose applications are selected over everybody else. And so, you know, it, if anything that it just amplifies, you know, you have people from like Ivy league schools and you're like, how, I can't compete with that. But um, you know, you just, like I said, take it one day at a time and just um, just work hard. And I think if you work hard, you know, you you can uh, you can do well, and and eventually figure out that like, okay, I do belong here, and and uh, and things are going to be all right.
0: Yeah, love it, Stephen. If you could change one part of this process of, of getting into med school uh, and maybe being a medical student, what what would you want to change?
2: Um, so I'm going to speak for in general, and then for my institution specifically, and my experiences. Um, in general, I coming from Nigeria and then just, I actually transferred over. So I didn't know a lot about the application process. It was through um, the constant messages that I sent you on Instagram. <laughs> and then some of my friends um, that I eventually learned and, and fell upwards to where I'm at today. Um, so I wish, you know, there's more, more informative messages out there, just more general education. And then secondly, the little funny part of officer training school is uh, a month before you go into into medical school, you do this thing called officer training school to join the military, and you do push-ups at 4.30 a.m. for oh, a, yeah. a while. <laughs> uh, I remember I those savage. days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Besides um, from that, I, I love every other part of it. It's, it's fun.
0: Yeah. So, so your advice, uh, either – do really well at push-ups before deciding to do the military medical school, or don't do the military medical school. <laughs> pretty that's pretty much it. <laughs> pretty exercise much. at 4:30 in the morning. Who's crazy enough to do that? Um <laughs> uh Sarah, what what would you change about this process?
3: About the process as a whole, I think we could change a lot, <laughs> to be honest. Um I wish it wasn't such a financial burden to get to where we are all today. Um, medical school, the price of medical education alone is obviously a lot, but outside of that, you talk about it often, You know, the price for uh, just taking the MCAT alone and then materials to be able to do well on the MCAT, uh, it's, it's kind of upsetting how uh, not accessible those things are. That's one big thing I think I would change about the process of getting into medical school. And then as far as in medical school, this process, uh, there are talking about recently some changes to the match process. And I think that uh, if those changes happen, it could be moving in a good direction.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see, I, and it's not really a topic for today. Uh, the, these changes to the match process—I I don't know how much they'll help or not. Or I mean, that double match versus scramble <laughs> slope, whatever. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what what happens with that. Um, <laughs> uh, Luke, what's what's one thing that uh, you would change about this process?
4: Um, make uh, make step scored again honestly uh, you know for me really like i do yeah so i i i like have typically done well on standardized tests and so you know i feel like it's easier to distinguish yourself whereas now it's going to be a lot harder to like to you know now it's all on step two which is exactly the thing that they were trying to prevent was like putting pressure on one test score yeah and so now it's just shifted to step two which most people do well on anyway and then, so it becomes even harder to distinguish yourself with step two, um, and I guess that's kind of just like not addressing the real problem, which is like the, the standardized testing in general. But um, but it, for me in my current situation, I I would that would uh, would be something that I feel like would be beneficial. But yeah, I I don't know. I guess um, probably um, the uh, I guess comparison that it's like constant you're constantly being compared and constantly like even so we have these things that where you like do these clinical uh scenarios and then they they're not graded but you're like compared to your classmates and so it's just like constant comparison which i guess is unavoidable in in med school but you know it does add a little bit of stress yeah but
0: Yeah, got it. Uh, We'll open it up to questions here in one second. Eunice, I think you're the only one uh, that hasn't answered. Uh, What what would you want to change about this process?
5: I think the uh, financial burden is pretty high. So uh, I qualified for the AMC uh, fee waivers. I don't know if the name has changed in the past uh, few years, but if your family meets a certain uh, threshold for an income, below the uh, threshold, you get to apply to some schools for free and it's reduced MCAT. Um, I think it honestly should be totally free, but maybe repeat exams you can pay for. Uh, so it kind of maybe puts up the ante for the first one so you don't have to pay for uh, the uh, exam in general because it's, it's a lot of money. Yeah. I worked as a lifeguard and a camp counselor so I can afford to register for MCAT. And uh, albeit I didn't do, do so great on it, but uh, I think I bounced back with uh, Step and uh, COMLEX. For uh, the Step, even though if you don't have like a good MCAT score, that's honestly not a good predictor of how you perform in medical school. Yep. Um, kind of like how you mentioned, uh, you were 50th percentile for per Step. I jumped up to 90s for Step One and Step Two from a fifty percentile of MCAT. Show so like, <laughs> off. Yeah, but it's but it's kind of just to go to show that yeah. like uh, even if you don't do so well in the Mcat, you can't afford to take the Mcat. If you take it once yeah. you can still, it's still go. They're very
0: all. very different tests uh how how they're structured and what they're testing and yeah. So, I I I'm not the biggest fan of the Mcat how it's structured and and how it tests you, but it's uh it's the devil we have to deal with at this point. So, uh, let's open it up to some questions from the audience. Morgan, what do you think helped your med school applications stand out? I was specifically avoiding this question. Uh, um uh who who wants to to say potentially what what helped them get into med school, do you think? Nobody has anything good. Yunus, go ahead. So the school that
5: I attend uh, has a huge, huge focus on community outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's almost like it's expected, but it's not requ- like actually mandatory. Everyone just does it. It's like your weekend off uh, after an exam, everyone's just sponsored. It's like, well, what's going on here? <laughs> like, That's cool. <laughs> it's pretty, uh, yeah, starting off and then you kind of get into a rhythm and uh, I, uh, I highlighted that. In my uh, personal statement, in my application, like I would volunteer at soup kitchens on Wednesdays for like two years. And it was fun because I got to cook and listen to music with all the volunteers and just have a good time. And it's like, whatever you do, highlight it. It doesn't need to be, you don't need to be doing like groundbreaking research or whatever it may be. Just do something, stick with it, and then show that you're passionate for it and how it affected you and how it made you a better person and how it prepares you for medical school in the future. I think that's the best way to go
4: about
0: it yeah awesome next question yeah. oh go ahead Dave. Oh,
4: I, yeah so for me i like i don't know that i had much that made me stand out like i played rugby which was i guess different and um and i was not in the college of natural sciences so i wasn't like the standard like biochem or anything like that i did kinesiology um but I think one thing that I did want to say is, is during college, I didn't have any research and I was really worried about that. And I thought like that I wouldn't get in anywhere because of it. And it didn't, it, it, I ended up still getting in, you know, and so just wanted to make that, uh, bring that up and, and kind of uh, quell anybody's fears who's like worried about not having research. So.
0: Shocker. Research isn't required. Um, awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, what else McKenna what should pre-meds look for in their future med schools that a lot of them don't even think about Sarah did, did you have anything you were looking for specifically when it came to picking med schools?
3: um I think when it came down to the ones that I was accepted to not necessarily when I was just making my list I looked at how the students acted on student panels a lot of the times on interview days there's student panels and i remember specifically one school that i was interviewing at the people on the panel were just talking about how miserable their experience was and how (laughs) they cried all the time and things like that so i was like okay maybe i don't necessarily want that at the top of my list and then also i looked at the way curriculums were set up my school, we only have an exam every like four to six weeks at the end of a block, wow. which I really enjoy for the way I structure my studying, where some other schools have exams every week or every other week, which I just don't think would have worked for, it's a for lot. me personally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That seems more standard is, is the more frequent <laughs> exams. Uh, anyone else uh, on what you were looking for in a school? Yeah, I, um,
4: I actually, so I wasn't necessarily like looking for this, but when I did my interview here, um, I really just like felt, felt like I got along really well with the, with the current students and that, that they all seemed like pretty happy and were talking very highly of the school, which most people at most schools will talk highly of it, but you can kind of tell when they're being, being like real about it. And when they're, um, you know, when they're, uh, like somebody that you would get along with. And I got like a really good feeling about this interview and, uh, and so I think that's something you should like keep an eye out for is like how you feel in the interview and like whether you could see yourself living in the city, whether you could see, you know, yourself being uh, classmates alongside some of the people that you meet.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All right. Next question. Kinsey did any of you take gap years? What did you do during that time? Let me gap year folks. Yeah. yeah I checked.
3: A- took- oh. You can go ahead.
0: No, you're good. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sarah.
3: Um, Yes, I took a gap year. I was a medical assistant for an interventional spine doctor. Um, It was a great experience. I encourage everyone, if you're thinking about it, to take a gap year. I have real life experience for it, and I think it actually gave me almost an upper hand coming into some clinical experiences my first year because I was comfortable talking to patients. I was comfortable doing physical exams because I had done it for a year straight. With that said, I've said that to people and then they thought they absolutely had to take a gap year to get into med school. That is not the case either. I just think it's a good experience. So.
0: Yeah. And, and did you do that and work as an MA because you thought you needed more clinical experience to to make yourself more competitive or did you do it just to take a break from school? Why, why did you do that?
3: I honestly had a decent amount of clinical experience before that I needed to fund my application cycle. So I knew I was going to have to work that year. I also was taking my last MCAT attempt a little bit late in the year. Um, before when I, if I were to pl- apply straight out of school. So I knew I was going to have to take a gap year for the sake of the MCAT. And then, uh, yeah, I kind of just wanted a break and to live, uh, some real life experiences, pay bills, live on my own, make money to support the application cycle and support me.
0: Yeah. And Luke, you, you mentioned you, you took a gap year as well.
4: I did. So I was, uh, I took one gap year and I was a scribe at a neurology clinic. Mm -hmm. Um, so not luckily not in the emergency department. It was, it was a lot better hours and everything. So, but I thought it was a good experience just to kind of get that clinical experience that I didn't have to that point. Um, I think part of the reason was I felt like I needed the clinical experience and it would be like, look better on my application. And then part of the reason was, uh, I wanted to make sure like, okay, Like I'm gonna work in this clinic, and I want to like see kind of what what uh, medicines like on a day to day basis, and make sure like because I knew at the end of that year, if I still wanted to do med school, then it would be the you know the right choice for me. And so after that year, I was like, all right, yep, this is this is what I want to do. And so ended up doing it, and uh, happy that I did. So
0: nice. All right, next question. Deanna asks, where did you look websites to see what types of support, mental health, students with kids, underrepresented, et cetera, are available to the students at the schools you applied to? So a little more school resource uh, research um, stuff. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Steven.
2: Yeah, so I think um, for this one, the school's website is always like a good start, firstly. And I think that's that's a little obvious, but... And when I say like the school's website, I mean, dig deep, like there should be no link left unclicked. <laughs> you know? And that was my take um, going into it. And after that, then other websites that, I mean, they're kind of controversial, but I use student doctor network and Reddit because you see students make threads about the school. Yeah. So I wouldn't do that to find out like where they are in the application cycle, but I would do that to see what people's real experiences are at the institution. Those are some of the things that kind of helped me.
0: Yeah, I I love those school-specific threads, especially on Student Doctor Network. I know, shocker, I'm recommending Student Doctor Network. Uh, The med school side of it, though, not the pre-med side of it. Go to the med school side um, and go to those school-specific threads where the students are there. But, But always, always, always take everything with a grain of salt because complaints are almost always louder than the, the praise. So people love to go on and complain and misery loves company. So there's always a lot of piling on, on those threads, but uh, just remember, that's just a a small subset typically of, of everyone at that school. Any other interesting ways of doing research for many of you?
3: I would say.
0: Eunice, go ahead.
5: Um, I would look at like their facebook or instagram as well uh sometimes some schools have awesome social media uh, accounts like whoever's running them like is doing a great job and they highlight uh student experiences and just like kind of the fun side of the school like what students do volunteering events kind of mental health awareness if they have like my school brings in puppies every two weeks and like you pet puppies and like I did that all the time. It was awesome. But, uh, I mean, it, it gets the job done, but I would check that out too. And obviously uh, check their websites out. And uh, yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Peppy, puppy, pe- uh, puppy petting uh, for the win. Uh, Sarah, what were you going to add?
3: I was going to say that when you're looking at the website, some of these things can kind of be hidden in different ways than you would expect as far as like resources and support for different types of students. I think it's important. Usually every website has a demographics of the current class and past classes. So see what makes up the class. If it's non-traditional students, if it's students from different backgrounds, I feel like that could tell a lot about a school as well.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, Stephen, Sarah, Luke, and Eunice, thank you so much for joining, sharing your, uh, your, your experiences going through medical school, being in medical school, the process of getting into medical school with everyone watching. I wish you the best of luck on, on your med school journey, your residency journey, uh, and your, your future career as a physician.